Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I think leadership styles need to be somewhat catered to whomever you're you're working with that good leaders need to be able to to adapt to to meet people's different needs. But I would say that as Mm -hmm. a a general rule, I see my role as giving my team the space and autonomy that they need to do their their best work, but still being there for them to, to support, to help answer questions, to ask them perhaps more thought provoking questions, or even just to, to work together to jam on something. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Welcome. Thank you for taking your time to join me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. I really appreciate your time, and I truly enjoy sharing my conversations as I am always learning something new from these amazing business leaders and entrepreneurs that I have the opportunity to sit with today. I'm excited to share the conversation I had with Allison Gasby. She is the head of research at Twitter Canada. She's responsible for translating consumer intelligence and data into learnings that are not only insightful for brands, but also speak to the future of Canada's ever-evolving digital ecosystem. In our conversation, we discuss how brands are connecting to culture in 2019 We talk about how social media has greatly changed the landscape of business and markets in the past year, specifically how customers are directly interacting with brands through social media. This conversation is so important for the business leaders who are leading companies and trying to maintain a conversation with their customers through social media. Lastly, Allison talks about the impact of the culture and brands she really shares the similarities and differences through different markets like Canada, US, United Kingdom, and Brazil. Today's episode is sponsored by True Shield Insurance. As a proud supporter of Canadian startups and entrepreneurs, True Shield offers solutions that help protect from the risks you may face today, tomorrow, or down the road. True Shield, no small business. Learn more at trueshield.ca. And with that, Here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am super excited to have you here um, to talk about not only your business leadership and, and your history, Allison, but I know you've been working on a couple of things that we'll get into as well. Um, That's pretty exciting for me in terms of the work that I do and, and being within social media and talking with leaders. So, I mean, I'm not going to get too ahead. Uh, let's, let's Don't stop right there, Edwin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, Allison, the best, the best way to do this is if we could start off by introducing yourself to our listeners. Um, maybe tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're not uh, leading or growing businesses. 
Sure. Um, well, I'm Alison Gosby. Um, I'm from Toronto, born and raised with uh, some, some since working abroad in the UK and, and the US. I studied business and fine arts in university, which admittedly is a bit of a, a strange left brain, right brain combo, but um, there you are. I'd say that I'm a self-proclaimed data nerd. I've been working in tech and research for probably more years than I care to admit, um, and I've been the head of research and analytics at Twitter Canada for the past three. Um, I'd say that I'm a, a naturally curious person, which is probably why I became a researcher to begin with. So when I'm not in the office, I'm probably heading off to explore new places and, and cuisines. I love to travel, try new restaurants, or cook up a storm, although I think that's mainly because I like to eat. So, you know, if you ever need any travel or restaurant uh, recommendations, let me know. Um, and I also love to check out live music, particularly music festivals. So, you know, uh, to give you an example, I spent my last birthday um, in, um, in Paris at Pitchfork Festival listening to, to one of my favorite artists called Yellow Days. Wow, that sounds... Uh... Sounds like you got a you're running a full life there, uh, Allison. Um, so I'm really intrigued, and um, for for a self proclaimed data geek, you definitely get outside. <laughs> you definitely get outside of your house a lot there. <laughs> so so that's a well, maybe, maybe that's the the less the left brain right brain dynamic at play. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So. From my understanding, uh, and you you just quickly mentioned it, Allison. I think you're the head of research at uh, Twitter Canada. Can you share with us, like, what does that mean? What what does that role entail? Your responsibilities, and just for fun, if you can, what are you trying to accomplish within this role um, over the next uh, next little while? Sure. Um, well, my team's mandate is to prove and improve the impact of advertising on Twitter. So that means a few different things. Um, we measure the effectiveness of campaigns and also do research on our research to create um, best practices, guidelines, uh, help our clients to understand what works best on the platform. Um, as you can imagine, we have a lot of data Mm -hmm. um, I like to think of Twitter as kind of being the world's largest focus group. Um, so we do a lot of work to help our clients better understand and tap into different audiences and conversations on the platform as well. And we also do quarterly releases of thought leadership research, um, which lately has been focused on to digging into cultural uh, culture and conversation. So for culture, it's about understanding cultural relevance. How do we define it? What are people's perceptions? Um, what does it ultimately mean for, for brands and their bottom lines? And conversation has been um, an area of more focus for us as of late. Um, you know, our mission as a company is to serve the, the public conversation. So we are looking to better understand how we can drive conversations what healthy brand conversations look like on Twitter, why does that matter, um, and ultimately, how and when should brands activate on the platform in order to to drive those healthier conversations and, and help them build their brands. Well, I mean, it's really cool. And what's interesting to me and, and what you're saying, Allison, um, a lot of the work and a lot of the research that is being conducted by you and the team is, is it primarily to impact um, 
brands, companies. Um, and, and the reason I asked you it, uh, before I let you go is, is I, I feel like I'm a brand. <laughs> like, would I, would I gain some insight from this, this type of studies that you're, you're working on? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think you are, you are right. Our main stakeholders, our main audience are, um, marketers and, and advertisers. So I'm essentially marketing market research to marketers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, you know, these, these findings are only relevant to, um, to a, you know, a big national brand, for example. Um, you know, I think that they're, are most of our research is rooted in consumer behavior and consumer insights, which are, you know, translatable into to insights for, for a lot of different folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's, I mean, it's really interesting and, and trying to be a thought leader or being a thought leader, I guess, in, within space and, and the medium being social media and podcast is sent out under a number of platforms. It's always interesting with this ever changing, um, I guess, mediums and twitter has been there since day one but mm -hmm. it's always you know it's it's part of my job to always understand where should i be focusing um right. my work and may, maybe we'll get into that as well and i know because the work you're doing is is primarily for brands and for maybe a lot of the business leaders that are listening today as they sit in the office and under you know whether they should be tweeting back at every person who is talking to them sure. on uh, on social media right even even for you looking at what people are talking about, how they're talking about it, what are what conversations and what topics are emerging, what's starting to, to trend, you know, even information like that could help inform, you know, what your focus is for, you know, your next episode or, you know, what you start to, if, if you start to, to pivot and look at, you know, new topic areas or, or whatever next month. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, you know, as I think about things that I'm working on and, and I'm working on, um, I guess a new show hasn't been announced, but it's a collaboration and it will be on like trending type technologies and innovation. So it's just like, how do we, how do we really come up with proper content? So the, you know, the conversations are created and impact is made as well. Right. I mean, it's, it's I mean, for me being a, a startup entrepreneur and, and a podcast host, I'm all about get going and then improve. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I mean, it's always, yeah, I mean, yeah, iterate, but, you know, working with and talking with very accomplished business leaders, it's always, you know, what tools do we have, you know, in our, in our bucket to ensure that we're, we're getting going to market to the best. So, I mean, this is an amazing conversation. I, I just want we really want to like, dig in because as we talk about research mm -hmm. i know there was one specific one that you worked on recently and i wanted to dive in because it's something that's happening a lot um, with a lot of movements that's happening in the world but there was a study and you correct me wrong it was about um the impact of culture um so mm -hmm. before we you know really dive in there can you talk about what that research was and and maybe why you initiated that study 
Sure. Um, so this is a, it was a new piece of thought leadership research that we just recently released. Um, and it stemmed from us seeing more and more brands becoming involved in culture in different ways. So whether that's through events like the Super Bowl or National Puppy Day, um, trends like the bottle cap challenge or um, you know, cauliflower crusts or issues and, and movements, climate change, gender equality, etc. Um, so we wanted to better understand that whole concept of, of uh, culture, how people define culture, um, dig into some of the different elements that they're most passionate about, um, but also understand if and how they think brands should be involved in some of the ways that brands should be more involved with culture. And then, of course, we also look at the impact of doing so and um, come up with guidelines or, or suggestions for how brands should go uh, about it and, and activate um, uh, tapping into culture, but, but doing it in, a, in an authentic way. I mean, it's interesting, and there's, and like I mentioned, even with culture, and this is fairly new, and this will probably air in a couple of weeks. But here up in Canada, there was a culture of tennis that just took over Twitter in the last couple of days yeah. because um, a fellow she Canadian, yeah, yeah, she the North <laughs> hashtag um, won the U.S. Open. Right? Is that something that? Your study, your research looked into, because that is a, a culture of sports, right? I mean, even the Toronto Raptors, because we're both sitting in Toronto, took yeah. basketball, took um, Canada by storm, um, which is yeah. another culture thing. And and I'm sure being in Toronto, and you probably saw this a lot, um, both of us together, was seeing a lot of brands jump onto the Raptors bandwagon. Like, is this something that you Almost saw in your research as well? Yeah, I mean, um, our research was uh, largely done um, before the, the the Raptors, but sports uh, plays heavily. When we look at how people define culture, we saw that, you know, it's not just some of the more traditional elements that may come to mind first. So, you know, it, it is, but is not isolated to um, your heritage or the language you speak at, at home or your religion. Um, it's very much about pop culture as well. So what you're listening to, what you're watching, um, what's going on in sports, what's going on in politics, etc. So, I mean, culture um, from a Canadian perspective is quite broad. Um, but absolutely, I mean, sports... Uh, sports and, and Twitter are just, I think, a, a natural combination. Um, and yes, we absolutely saw things uh, blow up, both from like an organic standpoint, but also a lot of uh, brands becoming part of the, the conversation, becoming part of, um, you know, the hype and, and the celebration around these, these key moments um, in our culture. No, that's, that's really important. Um Quickly, what did you? What was the most surprising thing that you found out from this uh, this research you did on culture? Um, you know, I, I think it was being able to prove that um, being seen as culturally relevant, uh, or brand being seen as as more culturally relevant, actually drives purchase decisions, and that it's correlated with 
better overall brand health. So it does impact uh, a brand's bottom line at, at the end of the day. And you don't necessarily have to be you know, one of the world's sexiest brands. You don't have to be, you know, a Nike um, to be a part of what's happening and um, to to benefit from doing so. Oh, I mean, amazing because that's, I guess, for every marketer or communications leader is like, do we jump on to what's trending, yeah. right? And from what you're and saying you know, is, it, it, as long as it aligns up to your, I guess, vision and your mission or your core competencies, then really the answer should yeah. be yes. <laughs> yeah, and that that really is the the key thing is is doing it in a way that makes sense for your brand that's in line with your overall message and and uh, voice, and so is seen as authentic. No, that's great. Um, is there anything else that um, maybe one key takeaway when it comes to this study? And Allison, this study it's available to everyone, right? Yes, yes, it is. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll po- we'll post a link on yeah we'll post the link on the episode for those who are really interested in terms of this research on around culture and stuff. Um, yeah. But it, th- before before I move on, I want to say like, what's the one key takeaway um, for those who are listening now and really interested in and maybe um, just as like yeah, I, I really needed to hear that. Yeah. Um, well, what I found really interesting. So we actually did this study in. Um, Canada, the US, the UK, and Brazil. So what I think is really interesting is looking at similarities and differences across markets. So a lot of our analysis has been focused on comparisons with the the US. And we see that the, the results are very consistent across markets, particularly between Canada and the U.S. But one of the, the main differentiators, one of the, the areas that we, that we did see a big difference was when we, were, when we were digging into how brands should go about being more culturally relevant. And one thing that really popped for Canadians was being more inclusive of all types of people, which you know probably isn't too much of a, a surprise. Um, you know, living in Canada, you hear a lot of talk about diversity really being one of our strengths and something that we hold central to to Canadian values. But it was interesting mm-hmm. to uh, to see that to see such a a, a big difference and that there was more of an appetite in Canada um, that that people think that brands can become more culturally relevant just by being more inclusive. Well, that's that, that's that's amazing. Well, thank you for putting that together. Excited to share that with everyone who is listening and, and to my community as well, because when I went over that study and, and I mean, it was, it's really interesting and sometimes it just put things into perspective and some of the stuff that I'm thinking as as a Canadian mm. and also a business leader as well. I wanted to change gears a little, Allison, and, and quickly talk about some of your experiences and your journeys when it comes to, you know, your career as you've grown in terms of business leadership. And you mentioned you've worked in the UK, you worked for a number of global organizations like Microsoft, AOL, Ipsos Reid. Um, so I, I'd love to ask my guests if they could share um, a really difficult situation that 
they had to make a decision on uh, when it comes to their career or leadership or management that really allowed you, you know, as you made that decision, allowed you to grow significantly mm-hmm. as a business leader? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've moved around a fair bit in my career, sometimes taking jobs that maybe seemed like I was biting off a bit more than I could chew or that I was honestly actually kind of surprised that I, that I was offered. I mean, maybe that's a bit of imposter syndrome uh, coming out. But right. to, give you, to give you an example, um, I, for most of my life, had a phobia of public speaking. And mm-hmm. I would avoid it at any cost. But, you know, I started, I started thinking and, and I realized that it was a skill that I would need more and more as I progressed it in my career, no matter where I ended up at, at the end of the day. Um, so I decided to throw myself in the deep end, basically. And I took a role at Microsoft leading consumer insights for the Canadian market. And for mm-hmm. that job, about a quarter of my role was speaking at conferences. So um, I guess you can kind of call that trial by fire. Um, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. The process wasn't that much fun. There were, there were <laughs> um, but you know, in the end, I walked out of that experience feeling like I could literally do anything if I set my mind to it. And I think that's sort of stuck with me over the years. Small business owners, True Shield can prepare you for the unexpected with the right insurance coverage. For example, phishing is a cybercrime that tricks you into revealing sensitive information. Phishing occurs as a phone call, text message, or, or email. And small businesses are the target for over half of all email scammers. The result can be damage to your reputation, data leaks, legal trouble, and financial loss. True Shield Cyber Risk Insurance helps protect your small business from certain financial losses, so phishing won't affect your bottom line. Learn more about cyber risk insurance today online at trueshield.ca. I mean, that's really interesting because a lot of our listeners are maybe thinking about taking a role that scares the living S out of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk, yeah, talk to me about that in terms of like maybe how long it took you to first off make the decision to to accept that role, and then as you were in the role, new to the role, whatever if it was your first ninety days or first half year, mm-hmm. as you prepared for those first first keynotes or first uh, public speaking events. Yeah, I um, I I hummed and hawed over it a little bit, but um, it didn't take me too long. I just decided that I'd better accept it before I changed my mind. Um, (laughs) So so quickly is what I'm hearing. Exactly. You know, it's like just on the roller coaster, then you can't get off. Um, And uh, I I took a presentation skills course at U of T. um, Mm -hmm. So that I felt like I was doing something in that, I feel like one gave me more experience doing it, but two also gave me some little tics, tips and, and tricks, things to, to watch out for, which just made me feel just made me feel a little bit um, better, more confident. And um, I remember watching watching a, a 
a TEDx uh, video about uh, power positions. And so I remember, you know, I would be at a conference and right before I would get on stage, I would just like go in the bathroom and do a power stance. And I don't know whether or not it, it ever helped, but I felt like at least I was doing something. Well, those, those, but let me just say those doing those power stances, I don't know if it helps at all, but I think it helps at the sense that you're telling yourself you're doing a power stance and that you feel silly doing it. And whether, whether, maybe this is just me, but you know, you do a power stance, it's like, oh, I feel good. I did that. And no one's watching. Right. But if (laughs) so, it probably does, there is probably a science to it. And I'm sure you watch some for those. There's a TEDx yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you question if it works, but you do it anyways. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you flex that muscle enough and you're constantly putting yourself in those types of positions that you just kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable at a certain point. Um you know, and that means that you raise your hands for new initiatives, even if they're really terrifying. Um, and I think, you know, that just shows like a desire to want to keep learning and um, right. and growing. Okay. No, I mean, and, and as, as business leaders, as managers, we're always looking and learning how to improve, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because be, being a manager, being a leader, we're working with people all the time and no one's the same. So I'd, I'd love it to get your thoughts and maybe reflection on, you know, where you are now, Allison, when it comes to management, your management style, your leadership style and, and how it's evolving and which way you're looking towards improving now. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to your point, everybody's different. So I think um, leadership styles need to be somewhat catered to whomever you're, you're working with that good leaders need to be able to, to adapt, to, to meet people's different mm-hmm. needs. Um, but I would say that as a, a general rule, I see my role as giving my team the space and autonomy that they need to do their, their best work, but still being there for them to, to support, to help answer questions, to ask them perhaps more thought-provoking questions, um, or even just to, to work together to jam on something. Um, and then, of course, also being their their champion. So, you know, help them get to where they want to be and and also make sure that I give them visibility both both internally and then also within the industry. Um, and I, I think I think that that approach probably stems from from a few, few things. So first of all, it's how I feel that I do my best work. Um, you know, when I have mm-hmm. support and guidance, but still a sense of freedom to be more creative in, in how I decide to tackle a, a problem or, or a question. Um, and then the other thing is that, I mean, if I'm honest, I just don't have time to, <laughs> to micromanage anyone. So when, when yeah. I'm hiring, you know, I'm, I'm looking for self-starters, somebody who, who is, um, you know, curious and, and hungry. Yeah, no, 100%. Actually, as you talk about being a self-starter, and, and this is just coinciding with, uh, I guess, uh, a campaign I'm, I've been uh, contributing on on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's basically talking about hiring. And when you look to hire a team member, talk to me about what you found is best for you. Are you <laughs> fully fine? Because 
within your role, I'm sure you need someone with experience and the skill set. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have someone with the same skill set, like how are you making these decisions now? Well, you know, I think there are certain things that you can teach and there are certain things that, you know, that that perhaps aren't as easy to, to teach. Um, you know, if I'm entirely honest, my interview style, um, I like to leave the bulk of time for a candidate to ask me questions um, because I think that it's a little bit more telling about the things that are important to them, what they want to be able to, what, what they want to better understand, but also just where the conversation goes from those questions. So are they, are they able to, um, you know, understand what I'm, what I'm uh, saying and, and sort of pivot um, from, from that or, dig in um, even deeper. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's something that you get better at as you go through the motions of hiring and, and you know, it'd be different from your first hire to your 20th hire. Um, one thing that you mentioned in terms of your leadership style and being, giving space to your team members and, and also being there so they could grow and be successful as well. I'm wondering if there's anyone in your life, in your career that maybe really stands out um, to someone who helped you grow as a business leader. It could be a mentor, a manager. It could be um, even someone you didn't work with. Um, who comes to mind when I say that? You know, I've, I've been very fortunate in my career to work both with and for some really amazing people. Um, one of the people who first comes to mind uh, is named Paul Netto. And he was one of the co-founders at a startup that I that I used to work for many moons ago, um, mm-hmm. and you know I think it's the same at any startup where you're basically overqualified or underqualified for everything that you're doing, right? So you're making the coffee, but also you know we were creating and, and marketing new products, and. As you can ana- imagine, if you're the new kid on the the team, and you know you're still sort of what behind the, the ears, it can be it can be hard to make big decisions. But Paul was great at empowering everyone on the the team. So to him, the only wrong decision that you could make was not making one at all. So we made decisions based on whatever information that we had available and. We knew that no matter how things turned out in the end, no one would ever fault you as long as you could justify why you had made the the decision that um, that that you did. And I think that's something that um, that's stuck with me as well. Well, I love that. Like, how do, how does it? Can you say that again? What he said. The only wrong decision that you can make is not making one at all. So the only wrong decision you can make is not making one at all. Yeah. So make a call and let's roll with it. Um, rather than, you know, humming and, and hawing and, um, you know, not being able to, to ship anything. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Eh? <laughs> that, that, that's a great comment. And, and, and I think about times in my career um, when you think, okay, I'll just make a decision later. Um, because it's not essential, but that in an essence, what you're saying and what Paul was saying is like, that's a bad decision. <laughs> so if you're, yeah. if you're listening and you're holding out on making a decision, 
that's probably a bad decision. Um, you're going to move forward um, with whatever information you have. And sometimes yeah. what I tell what I tell people, Allison, and maybe maybe you could relate now is like sometimes you got to go with the gut too, right? Um, and go mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, you work with whatever information is available. Fun question, Allison. If I were to ask uh, any of your team members, could be past, present, colleagues, um, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? So you call this a fun question. I think this is a tough one. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's it fun. For, it's fun for me. Fun for- <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it, I think it's kind of hard to gauge how other people um, really really see you. Um, what do you hope? What, what do you hope? I guess then. <laughs> well, hang on a sec. I um, I was asked a, a question on a, a panel a little while ago, and so I did basically what I what I do for a living, and I surveyed some of my my coworkers. I I pulled a, a few people who I work with really closely to ask them um, that, and they said that it was my ability to cut through clutter to essentially uh, distill complex ideas into something that's clear and, and simple and, and easy to understand. So when you think about it, research methodologies, they can get pretty complex. And I am, you know, marketing to marketing research to marketers. So um, things need to be very clear and, and action oriented. And I think that's a, a skill that, um, that I've been able to hone over the, the past few years. No, and that's amazing because I mean, it's a testament in terms of who you are and 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 as you've grown into a business leader, because having a, that amount of data and really taking it to digestible information mm-hmm. is is not is not easy. And I know this because I have a computer engineering degree as well, and mm-hmm. I've been as similarly, um, although I haven't practiced it in a, in a while, is like I'm able to take complex ideas and and put it in analogies and stuff like that. So it, that that's amazing. And congratulations on that. Um, Allison, I'd like to ask you, and I know you mentioned there was other studies that you're working on, but like what else is going on? Anything new or any initiatives that, that you're super excited about? And maybe you could share with us today. Well, as you can imagine, there is never a dull moment at Twitter. There's always something happening. Um, but at the moment, um, we are focused on building tools to better understand audiences and, and conversations to essentially allow us to more efficiently tap into the plethora of data that, um, that, that we have. And then using those tools, again, to surface those actionable insights. We have a new project with um, one of our, our clients where we're basically helping their internal creative studio um, by surfacing real-time um, real-time insights that they are then building uh, creative and and even overall marketing strategy based on. So that's really exciting. Um, and I'm also working. So that's like that's like real-time marketing initiative initiatives without wait like you're right on there if someone says something literally depending on how you turn it around like these marketers your clients could be in the moment exactly yeah that's amazing yeah. <laughs> so 
uh, we're just kicking that off. So um, that's really exciting. And I'm also working on a new global initiative where we're developing um, a narrative, a playbook, and different types of uh, product packaging to help our clients better connect with key events and um, occasions. So that's a, a cross-functional uh, global initiative, which has been, you know, really interesting. Um, just getting a, a better sense of, you know, the, the, how all of the, the pieces of the organization fit together and today and, you know, a better sense of what we can, what we can accomplish if we are all working towards, you know, the, the same goal. So it's been, um, a really great experience. No, that's that's amazing, and I'm definitely want to get all the research that you get, and we can share it all, all the time. But uh, super exciting, really happy uh, that you joined us, Allison. But before I before I let you go, can you share with us maybe a final thought, observation? Ideally, I'd like to share actionable items uh, for the business leader who is listening today. Okay, I've got two for you. Um, oh, I like that. Yes, the first. Um, is to ask questions. You know, you and I both ask questions for a living, so I'm sure that, that you can appreciate this. Um, mm-hmm. Asking questions isn't something that we're necessarily taught how to do well. And I think a lot of people have this sort of preconceived notion that, you know, asking a question isn't, isn't a good thing. Um, but I think it's actually a sign of intelligence. I think it shows a desire to learn. And, and by asking questions you're, you know, making yourself better, but also potentially um, making others better um, as well, challenging them or providing your unique perspective, which perhaps they haven't thought about um, before. And the second um, is honestly, follow people from your industry on Twitter, see what they're talking about, when they're talking about it, and how they're talking about it and engage with them because Twitter gives you unparalleled access to people who you wouldn't normally have access to in, in real life. So of course, politicians, celebrities, athletes, but that also means CEOs and industry leaders as well. Um, and Twitter is also where news happens first, where it breaks first. So it helps you keep up to date with, with what's happening and, and you know be up to date with the, the latest and greatest and, and have an opinion on it as well. No, that's great. I mean, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, asking questions and following Edwin on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that that was that was amazing, Allison. This was an amazing conversation. I really do appreciate your time and and stopping in to join us today. Again, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you once again for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 128 with Allison Gasby. If you want to learn more about Allison, Twitter Canada, or a link to the research that we discussed, go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 128. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders, simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Once again, thank you to today's sponsor, TrueShield Insurance. 
Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.